This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. Well, we've all had a chance to digest yesterday's Court of Appeal decision, which paved the way for Toronto's municipal election to go ahead with 25 wards rather than 47. So who are the winners and losers? Obviously, novice candidates who have decided not to run against incumbents, and incumbents who have to run against other incumbents. Some say everyone is a loser because this means there will likely not be an infusion of new blood into council. And what about John Tory? Here's what the Premier had to say about that. The happiest person outside of myself and our, our team are going to be the people of Toronto and the guy who's going to be happier than anyone is John Tory. I know it, he knows it, I've known John for a long time he uh, may have disagreed uh, the way we did it but uh, there's no way he wanted to be down there with 47 councillors, that I can assure you so is, is he just messing with John Tory? Do you think he's unaware that that kind of a comment might give a push to Jennifer Keysmat, Tory's main opponent? And in the meantime, there's lots of speculation that Ford will move on to do things he wanted to do when Rob Ford was mayor, like getting a casino on the waterfront. So is, is that the kind of thing that people want Doug Ford to be occupied with during his time as premier? Do they want him to be so focused on municipal politics. Is there a risk to that? Or uh, do you still think a a lot of our listeners are big Ford supporters that it's all uh, good? So the numbers to call, we want to hear from you. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. We have a very interesting panel to weigh in on this. I'm here with Aleem Kanji, Vice President of Government Relations at Sutherland Corporation. We have Kim Wright, and we have Councillor Joe Mehevic. Welcome to you all. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for letting us on your show. Great great to be with you, Libby, in studio. Okay, well, Aleem, we'll start with you because you are in studio. So uh, what do you make of John Tory and all of this and that statement by Doug Ford? Does that help John Tory hurt him? (laughs) You know, um, I think we're we're, we're seeing as the days uh, go by um, what I like to call the vintage Doug Ford coming out. I think the Premier is getting comfortable in the role. He's, he's coming into his own skin. Um, and, uh, you know, perhaps Joe Mahevich will, will attest to this, but he's, he's, he's certainly becoming a little bit more candid, I think, with the people. And look, truth be told, 
Um, it'll be a smaller council. We all know that. Will it be um, easier to pass motions and, and, and to have things actually happen? Um, some would say yes, with, with the virtue of, of fewer people on council. Uh, others would say that democracy has been ruined. And, you know, we've taken away uh, people and, and the access and the rights of, of, of constituents to, to be with their elected officials is, is going uh, to be hurt. So there's a little bit of that. Um, but, you know, I think, um, I, I think for the most part... Um, you know, the, the premier's obviously got to be happy with, with what's happened and what's transpired, not having to invoke the notwithstanding clause. Uh, and it's it's uh, it's on to his agenda. Um, and, and I guess we'll get into that in a few minutes in terms of what's next. Kim, uh, what I mean, we know the premier is a winner in all of this, but uh, do you think he's messing with John Tory? Well, I think the premier frankly hasn't uh, accepted entirely as the Premier of Ontario, and he still seems to be uh, more interested in the governing matters of the City of Toronto. But that being said, what is fascinating that came out of the judgment yesterday, and also the last few weeks in these conversations, really is about the role of municipalities, the role of municipal government, especially when you have a government like the City of Toronto, which is the sixth largest in the country, uh, and has a population double plus that of Manitoba. So, you know, what does the role of municipalities look like going forward? Uh, and, and is this a constitutional question? Because the ruling yesterday really did point out uh, how much municipalities are the creatures of the province. They have no constitutional rights. Uh, so is there going to be a bigger conversation about how do people rectify that now that we have 80% of Canadians living in cities? So putting all of that to the side, what happens come December 1st with a new um, municipal government in the city of Toronto? Well, they're going to have larger wards. They're going to have a bigger say. Uh, and how do we really fix the uh, structural challenges uh, around committees and making sure that people still have access to their councillors, but also access to the broader decision makers through uh, being able to speak at committees and councils there's going to be a whole restructuring around uh, how council makes decisions that have to occur given that. The that would be a good thing, I think. <laughs> well, there's, there's, there's a lot of stuff that actually gets done at City Hall. It may not seem like it, it may seem very messy to people, but it's actually an incredibly efficient order of government. They deal with 400 plus items at every council meeting. That's pretty efficient to me. That's that 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 is a big thing, Joe Mihevic, um Yesterday, I was off. I was walking on Saint Clair. Like in full disclosure, Joe is my city councillor. I saw your campaign office. So who You're are you? Inside anytime. Pardon. <laughs> <laughs> um, so who are you running against? Well, there, there will be five of us in the campaign, as I as I understand it, in the in Saint Paul's, the entire riding not ward of Saint Paul's. Uh, so yeah, there and there are uh, two and in, three incumbents that that have a piece of it. Uh, one is not running, and uh, there's, so there's two of us uh, still standing. So it's what Josh Josh Matlow and myself. That's correct. Yeah. Who, uh, of the of the incumbents, and then there's four others who have also put their name. I think three or four others that have also put their name uh, in the ring. And uh, what do you think about running against Josh? Well, I, I'm I'm the way I'm uh, taking it in to my kind of psychology is I'm running for a position at uh, at City Hall. Uh, I That's frankly how I've historically run. I don't run against anyone. That keeps me focused and uh, centered. Uh, I try to focus on uh, how I want to build this community, and I don't focus on who the competition is. And uh, that kind of chess game, 
course, you know, there are other people that kind of focus on that within the campaign team, but I try to stay focused if, for no other reason than my own sanity on, on you know, the kind of community that I want to build uh, locally and the kind of city that I want to build uh, across uh, the entire area. So I'm not running against anyone. I'm running for a position uh, in order to stay grounded. Ali? You know, uh, Kim made a, a really interesting point off the top, and I want to get to that. And, you know, Kim talked about um, the rights of cities in this day and age. And I think this is a really interesting point. You know, one of the things that I've said uh, is that we're dealing with 19th century uh, uh, legislation and powers in terms of the Constitution. Absolutely. And we're in the 21st century. We're dealing with 21st century issues around affordable housing, around public safety, around transit, around infrastructure. Um, and is it time to revisit that? And, and I think this is a question worth asking. Um, you know, we certainly heard from, from the Prime Minister last week, and he talked about how he would not want to enter the fray uh, around uh, the notwithstanding clause potentially being used. Of course, we know that's not in the cards now. Uh, but, but this is a serious question. And I've had discussions and conversations over the last week with mayors and councillors from across this country. And I can tell you one thing. They are united in this. You know, the old adage that everyone loves to hate on Toronto kind of rings true, right? I mean, it, 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 it sort of, it, it's historically been that way, right? Everyone from the country loves to hate on this city. That's not the case in what's happening right now. And you're seeing that with elected officials from across the country saying, if this could happen in Toronto, we need to be unified. We need to come together. We need to make sure this is not going to happen in any other city. And so this notion of, of, of thinking about the new powers for cities, uh, I think, is, is, is coming at a really fascinating time. We've got an election a year from now, federally. Yes. I mean, uh, to me, uh, that whole issue of the, the rights of cities, power of cities is, is much more important than how many wards we have in Toronto. Uh, you know, I think the arguments for 27 wards are reasonable. Um, yes. whether you, but overall and and to me I was just telling Aline this and and I hate to uh, you know uh, say something against a major political tradition but that whole view of calling a midnight session so you could get to a plowing match <laughs> I mean as a, as a resident of the city that's the economic engine that bugs me I was there till 3 a.m. Monday morning <laughs> If it, it was makes painful. anyone feels any better, uh, there's a convergence of my life in that the plowing match was held in Chatham-Kent, which is my home community. Uh, so I come from this as uh, somebody who grew up in rural southern Ontario. Uh, but none of this should have been done in the cover of darkness. None of this should have been, we're going to wield the big stick of the notwithstanding clause, because, well, he didn't have to use it. What he clearly signaled was in any instance he feels it necessary, he is going to open up that toolbox, uh, that tool in his toolbox, and has no qualms about using it. Okay, so, well, is he going to, is he going to uh, have to, is he going to sustain some damage because of that? Yes, I, I think that's a very good question, uh, Libby, uh, if, if I could weigh in on, on that piece. Uh, he clearly won the issue, but I think he did spend a lot of political capital in doing so. Uh, I think that's, uh, he's presented himself uh, despite having presented himself during the election as for the people and one who will listen and that, 
as someone who will very in a very authoritarian way plow ahead excuse me image, <laughs> plow ahead with uh, with a uh, with a very narrow agenda that has a uh, little uh, public support especially as people more and more hear about it i think today people are are frankly and uh you know i've been chatting with all kinds of folks of course uh, in this election and what they they're just reeling not necessarily from the issue of 25 versus 47 but the way in which that decision was made, uh, there's a whole other group of people that are saying this is not the way a, a good process and good government uh, is. So I think he's going to pay for it. Uh, I remember when this was imposed upon us, a uh, megacity in 1997, uh, the uh, Tories didn't win a seat in Toronto for the next uh, 25 years. And I suspect that certainly in the Toronto case, that there's going to be a lot of antipathy. It, this is going to cost them. It'll cost them at the election. Uh, will it make a difference in the next little while on other issues? We fought him on the casino when he was uh, with his brother, and we won that one in the downtown area. Yeah, the, the winning the next one and all the other issues, the sex ed issues, uh, the uh, basic uh, income uh, project, um, these are, these are going to be tough days ahead. Uh, that's why I think people, people really should take uh, municipal elections uh, very seriously. I do not think, though, uh, maybe a little bit differently than Aline, uh, that provinces are going to let go of those powers to allow cities to have charter independent authority from the subsidiary authority that they have now from provinces. Uh, that's the case in Europe, but they've had wars and changing boundaries and 500-year histories to kind of work that out. Okay. We are a new country. We're just barely getting from underneath the thumb of the Ontario Municipal Board. The province isn't going to go to a negotiating table with the federal government, given how constitutions need to change to give us that in the short term. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't have the conversations and be pushing and pushing and pushing. Yeah. I just don't see it in, in the certainly the short term and even the medium term of any real changes happening on that front. Okay, Joe, I, I want to see if our listeners agree with you that uh, Ford is going to take a political hit, and especially if he continues to focus on things uh, that basically affect Toronto and that you would think would be the purview of city council. So people, uh, are you okay with that? Um, or do you think uh, maybe you want him to focus on something else? The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll free 1-866-740-4740. I am here with Aleem Kanji, Kim Wright and Joe Mehevic. And let's turn to that. Aleem, uh, you were talking to people with an interest in casinos. So uh, what did you find? Let's roll the dice on that one, Libby. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so listen, it, very fascinating that, uh, you know, the front page of, of, uh, of our national newspaper today, by the way, across the country uh, in every edition has um, a photo of the premier. And the story, of course, is around uh, the decision yesterday and, uh, and the stay decision. Uh, and immediately to the left of that is the uh, is the um, uh, the story around uh, around uh, the casino and uh, potentially the changes at Ontario Place, um, and it, it, it's a, it's an interesting article that looks and talks about the fact that the downtown casino. Uh, could be back on the table as part of a redevelopment of Ontario Place. And I can tell your listeners, um, my sources at, at Queen's Park are telling me that um, they really want to work to building Ontario Place to make it a great destination. They're focused on tourism. They're focused on jobs. 
Um, they're focused on transit. Some of the things that they're focused on in other parts of the city in terms of building better transit, they're focused on for, uh, for Ontario Place. Um, on the casino, um, I, again, I can share with your listeners that, uh, that don't expect um, this government right now to, uh, to wade into that um, at, this, at this point in time. I really think that the, the focus, I'm being told, uh, is, is, again, on Ontario Place, making it that year-round destination, um, making sure that it is a hub for jobs and for tourists. Um, you know, and but without a casino, without a casino at this point in time, and and keep in mind, we've got a casino up in the the northwest part of Toronto, up at Woodbine, um, that uh, that has been been approved. The council has has looked at that; they've approved it. The OLGs approved it, and so um, again, at this juncture, um, it's uh, it's uh, it's off the table for now. And and that uh, casino up at Woodbine is in fact in the premier's home uh, home riding. Uh, so the interesting thing about everything about Ontario Place and uh, and Exhibition Place, and you can't really talk about one without thinking about the other. Uh, but there are there have always been people who have been interested in the site, and in fact, I previously worked uh, for a gaming company that uh, had looked at the site and what it could look like and how it could be redeveloped. There are a number of big Fortune 500 companies that have been looking at looking at Ontario Place for years. Uh, it has been sat. Uh, fairly empty, fairly unused, other than some uh, some great concerts that I've seen at Budweiser Stage, uh, and uh, and some uh, small food food uh, festivals. Uh, but there is an opportunity to talk about what does the future of the waterfront look like, and how does that unfold? Haven't we uh, been talking it- about that for I don't know thirty, forty, fifty years? Don't we have a whole waterfront? Commission, uh, haven't we had multiple waterfront czars, and and um, yeah, what does it all come to? Well, uh, I, I'm I'm open for actually if the if the premier has a a better mousetrap and and is able to actually get that project off the ground around supporting uh, tourism, supporting a very vibrant waterfront. There are a lot of people already living at the waterfront, and of course, we're expecting another three, four, five hundred thousand more. Never mind the people that come from all parts of uh, of Toronto to enjoy the waterfront. It could be a marquee location, and I think uh, Torontonians would welcome that. I think the bridge too far, as Aleem uh, perhaps is uh, suggesting, is to locate a, a casino as part of that. We had that debate at the city council a few years ago. It was a very wholesome debate. And uh, Torontonians, I think, I just think that's a bridge too far. Uh, this, we have one at, uh, at Woodbine. Um, he could turn a positive story into a negative story if he, if he bites off uh, that piece of it. But I think most Torontonians uh, would, uh, would vigorously support a revitalized uh, waterfront that provided local and international attraction. Okay, uh, let's go to the phones. We've got Dino in Toronto. Hi, Dino. Dino, are you there? Hi, thank Hi. you for taking my call. You're very welcome. I've been trying to get through for a couple of weeks. I have uh, two points that I would like to to mention. Go ahead. Um, first of all, I've been living in my area for almost 30 years. Uh-huh. Um, for the past couple of years, uh, basically all the, uh, the, the residents in this area, we have some very serious uh, uh, concerns in the area and uh my city councillor uh never met i never talked to him i don't even know who he is so does it really matter 
if we go from 47 uh, wards to whatever, 25 or 27, whatever they are, to me it doesn't really matter. And, uh, or will it make a difference? I don't think so. So my next point is, I was just listening to your guests there, and uh, I don't want to send this. I don't want to sound disrespectful, but they sound like CNN. No matter what Doug Ford <laughs> says or does, it's I don't negative. think Doug Ford's been on CNN. <laughs> well, thank you from CNN in no, Toronto. I'm talking about your guests that uh, they sound like CNN. They're totally negative against, let's say, Donald Trump. Here, in this case, it's against Doug Ford. It's not that I'm a real supporter, but it's totally negative, and no matter what the man does or says, it's negative. I I, I don't know about that. We've uh, heard a lot of positive things, um, but anyway, Dino, I take your point. Thank you for your call. Thank Let's you go for to my call. Bill in Toronto. Hi, Bill. Hello. Go ahead. You're on the air. Hello. Can you hear me? Yep. Yep. Uh, I that that's why I listen to this show because of your last caller. I love to hear real people like that. And, you know, Ford's got my total support. I'm I know that, with, Bill. <laughs> you know, I'm fed up with, with activist judges and people with the law fair just muddying the waters. You know what? Good for you, Doug. Plow ahead, put in your plan, and in four years, let the people speak. Okay, Bill. We hear you. Thanks for your call. Let's Thanks. go to Merrill in Scarborough. Hi, Merrill. Hi. Good afternoon, Libby. Go ahead. You're on the air. I would like to ask the council, if um, a casino was to go down on the waterfront, how much revenue would it bring into the city? Uh, who has it? I think Aline is nodding. Maybe you have an answer to that? Well, listen, I, I, Merrill's asked the question of, of the councillor, so I'm going I'm to give him the, the first crack at that. Well, I, I think, uh, frankly, um, we will uh, get a very, very small piece of that revenue uh, we get a very small piece of the revenue out at uh, out at Woodbine. Um, I think that has to be balanced uh, on the negative side on the ledger of the uh, cost of the infrastructure to, to bring people to the to any casino, and then also the social cost that happens as a result of the all the um, social ills that result from casinos. Um, and that's where, frankly, all the analyses that we did uh, in public health led us to the conclusion that uh, it's a, a net negative for for especially vulnerable people who, who uh, tend to have uh, gambling uh, problems and addictions. So it's uh, it, some people will make money, but uh, uh, there's a whole lot of people that will lose money, and the city will not get enough revenue to take care of those that, uh, that will need that help. Here's the thing, um, and I want to come back to the comment the first caller made. I think he, he had, did he refer to us to CNN? That, that yeah, was... you said you're like CNN because everything that is said about Ford you're negative on, which which is not exactly right, I, maybe I'm not, today. I'm, but... not, I'm not sure that, that uh, the other two panelists on, on this uh, on this show would, would necessarily agree with that. But look, here's the reality. Um, you know the the premier is is moving forward with with his agenda, and if you look at you come back to the casino if you look at what part of town that's in and and, and I want to make this point because I know there's a lot of nine o five folks that listen to this show that casino uh, that's being built up at Woodbine borders the northwest part of the city, um, the sixth largest city in the country in the in the city of mississauga there's an election going on. Up there, there's also an election going on in uh, Brampton. 
in, in what I expect to be a, a bit of a tighter race between the incumbent, uh, uh, Linda Jeffrey, uh, and a name that uh, some callers may be familiar with from the past, and that's Patrick Brown. Now, when you talk about municipal governance, and you talk about what the Ford government has done in uh, Toronto, if I was a betting man, coming back to the casino, if I was a betting man, I would say this. If Patrick Brown gets in as mayor of Brampton, I would expect the notion of separation from the region of Peel and secession, something that the former mayor of Mississauga for 40 years tried to do in Hazel McCallion, she was never able to accomplish. I would bet that that would be on the table uh, to happen in Mississauga. And, and as the sixth largest city in the country, it would form its own municipality. And that is something I think will happen if Patrick Brown gets in. And this comes back down to uh, the issues between those two uh, and obviously wanting the same job at one point in time. And one of them got it. So, uh, you know, in terms of municipal governance, I don't think this is over yet. I think there still will be some changes that come forward from this government in uh, the months and years uh, to go. We got four years to go. Um, there's going to be a lot that uh, that uh, uh, happens, and uh, and all eyes are on that as well. Okay, Good Meryl, quiet. let's uh, let's go to Doris in Toronto. Hi, Doris. Hi, um, it's Doris calling. Um, all I want to say is this: I have two things to say. I have lived in my house for forty years, and I've never had a counselor knock on my door in forty years. There's something wrong here. Where do you live? I live on uh, East York. Okay. And I know Mary is the counselor, one of the counselors up there. Frajidakis. I yep. was told to call her if I needed any information. I called her, not in, left the message, fine. Called her, never heard, called her the next day, same message. No uh, uh, call back or not available. I thought, lady, you're not getting my vote. I, you know what, Doris, <laughs> I totally hear you. And the the other thing I find ironic about all of this is that both Ford brothers, especially Rob, made their name, made their career on answering those phone calls. Mm-hmm. And I totally get why Doris feels the way she does. And and the question yes, can be raised. Going to happen? Sorry, <laughs> is with uh, 125 exactly rewards, uh, the probability of getting a call back uh, is going to diminish by uh, 50 percent. In the old days of the city of York, I used to make house calls uh, with great frequency, virtually every day. Now I have to reserve a morning, uh, usually Friday morning, Friday afternoon, to making those kinds of uh, kinds of calls. And I don't know how with uh, thickened agendas fewer counselors to manage all of that, uh, we're going to be able to do that. It actually, I think, I think, you know, I'm not trying to be political here, I'm trying to be analytical, that if you reduce the number of counselors and increase the size of the wards, you're going to actually get less face time proportionally with your local city council. Well, well that obviously, obviously, that's that's going to be the case. There's no question about that. But even with the smaller ward, Doris didn't get a lot of love from her councillor. So, Doris, thank you for your call. Wait a minute. I have something else to say. Okay. I'm talking about the casino. Okay. Why would anybody want to put a casino over there in the, uh, what is it again? Uh, Ontario Place. Ontario Place. 
I um, very seldom, or I do go to Woodbine. That's my day out. I spend maybe 20 bucks, maybe comes with some and not. But the way uh, Woodbine is, does anybody ever know what's happening up there? I was up there the other day. They're rebuilding a lot of stuff. They're putting up a hotel. I understand they're putting another casino there. That place is huge. I don't even know if that other casino would have a chance. Okay, Doris. Near the airport. Thanks for that, Doris. Okay. Okay, bye bye. Um, Yes, go ahead. We're starting to uh, run out of time on this one. Look, Doris raises an interesting point because. Yes, the the uh, province and the city has approved a, a casino up at Woodbine. Let's keep in mind as well, you know, uh, just down the highway, we've got a couple of casinos in Niagara Falls. The lifeblood of those casinos, by and large, are from the greater Toronto area. There's a lot mm-hmm. of people that drive down there to gamble, to enjoy mm-hmm. a night out, all that good stuff. So do we have the market capacity to support that? I think Doris raises a good question. Um, but, you know, as I said earlier, uh, my sources at Queen's Park are telling me that uh, that this is off the table for now, the, the idea of a casino at Ontario Place. They're focused on on fixing that place uh, and, and really bringing it back to life the way it was, you know, back in the 70s when it when it opened, really a, a, an icon for, for the province, something that we really felt proud of. Okay. Nora, I'm going to, just a second. Nora, I'm going to take your call, but I need your question or your comment to be very brief, please. Okay. It's just been brought to our attention by some councillor on the news that uh, uh, two councillors, their absentee rate is over 50%. One of the councillors is ours. My question is, uh, this person's not there 50% of the time or more. We're not being represented for for fifty percent, or her. She's not there to vote on anything on our behalf at fifty percent. My question is, who are they accountable to? Who looks after? I'm not saying an, an attendance sheet, but is, are there some rules that they need to follow? That they, you know, I can understand they're going to be away from time to time, but over fifty percent and not voting over fifty percent of the time. Who looks after that? Uh, Joe, I'm going to let you take that one. And Nora, thanks for your call. Thank you. Well, at the end of the day, uh, you take care of that. You, the residents, the citizens of the city of Toronto, take care of that in, in the elections every four years. If you feel that absent, absenteeism is a very big issue, then the way you let that councillor know that that absence is not appreciated is, uh, is through the ballot box. At the end of the day, this is uh, a democracy, even at the, at the local level, despite what just happened, uh, and the way you voice your opinion pro or for, uh, for or against is by by your vote. So there's n- nothing that happens in the in the interim is no. the is the answer to that. Look, we're this is a fascinating conversation. We're basically out of time, so I'm just going to ask uh, our panel. Uh, everybody, give me thirty seconds, please. Uh, Kim, like as uh, somebody who loves politics and public policy, I am still rooting for Premier Ford. Uh, especially on things that matter to people around affordable housing and transit uh, and things that are really from an intergovernmental perspective, as well as healthcare in general. And I think those are the things that uh, we want to get back on the focus of. And then, as I said earlier off the top, a broader conversation about what does what is the role of municipalities going forward as they have taken on so much responsibility. It is time we have a grown-up conversation with all the grown-ups around the table. Okay, Aleem. 
This is a really fascinating time um, because we are going to have incumbents versus incumbents. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Councillor Mahevic and I have talked about uh, the Hunger Games. Really, it's pitting, yeah. pitting people against each other. And, you know, your last caller raised an interesting point. She didn't tell us where she was uh, from in Scarborough, but I can tell you that there are many races in Scarborough that are going to provide choices to to people. You know, do you want to go with the Six Dad and Norm Kelly or Jim mm-hmm. Karagiannis? And so there will be choices. People will be able to exercise those choices in exactly a month uh, and two days. So let's see how things go. Uh, smaller Council is on the horizon. And uh, keep calm and carry on, I suppose. Keep calm and carry on. And Joe, you have to fight one of those races. So uh, wish you the best of luck. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.